Welcome to the Simply Be Podcast, a show dedicated to redefining what personal branding really means and debunking the myths on what it's not. I'm your host, Jessica Zweig, founder of the Simply Be Agency, and I realized my value proposition was helping others find theirs. Wouldn't it be amazing if everyone on the planet knew their own power and stepped into it? You see, that's not just personal branding. That's personal transformation, and it belongs to all of us. So this show is here to help you set yourself free to simply be. You ready? Let's do this. You're listening to the Simply Be Podcast, episode number 11. Well, hello and welcome back to the show, my amazing community, friends, tribe of this podcast. So happy to have you back for yet another episode. I hope you're doing amazing. I am probably doing super amazing by the time this episode airs because when it does, I will be in Europe. I'm taking a 10-day trip next week to Romania and Bulgaria with my best friend, Megan Taylor, who is my soul sister and tribe member for life, ride or die. And she and I have this amazing ritual, this tradition that every year we take a massive, epic international trip together, just the two of us. And we started doing this five, six years ago when I was single and she was single and she's been in and out of relationships herself. But we made a pact that no matter where our lives took us, both in romantic relationships or our careers, that we would always make time to take this trip together, just her and I. And it's the most treasured and sacred part of my year, to be honest. It's a time where I really let go. I do not bring my computer. I do not check my phone. I am present. And all we do is laugh and eat. (laughs) And it is amazing. And She and I have been to Thailand and Bali and Morocco, Portugal. We've been to Israel together. We went to Ecuador and Colombia last year. And this year, we are going to Romania and Bulgaria, which is supposed to be super gorgeous and a little out there. And the untapped Europe is what they're calling it, the future of Europe. And I'm really looking forward to just simply being In fact, the very first place that we are going on our trip is Plovdiv, Bulgaria. We're going to be there for two nights. And I just learned that there's a saying in Plovdiv. I think I'm going to pronounce it wrong, but I'll try. It's the word aliak, which is an untranslatable Bulgarian word widely used to describe a certain desirable state of mind, which roughly means to be supremely relaxed unfazed by external pressures, and receptive to the pleasures of existence. OMG. I basically just interpreted that as a synonym for simply being. And that's where we're headed first on this epic 10-day trip that I'm getting ready to leave for. And if you want to follow along on our adventures, you can, of course, find me on Instagram. You can find her at DJ Megan Taylor. And we have a hashtag (laughs) called MTJZHoneymoon literally dating back to like 2012 when we first started traveling together that has hundreds of photos. And it's a joke that, you know, we take this honeymoon together. And back when we were single, people literally thought that we had gotten married and we were in Thailand, our first trip and getting congratulatory texts and emails from our community. And we were like, no, 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 no. 
it's a joke. <laughs> but nonetheless, if you are so inclined, you can find us at hashtag MTJZHoneymoon and you can see the history of our wild epic adventures. So I'm bringing you another solo episode today. And I'm really grateful for the incredible guests that we have had over the course of the last few months, basically all summer. And I've been wanting to do another solo episode for a while and really ruminating and meditating on what I should talk about with you guys because there's so much to share around the space of personal branding. And I know a lot of people are interested in Simply Be Agency and our entrepreneurial success. And I definitely want to talk about that. In fact, I was plotting an episode to talk about how to reach seven figures in nine months because that's basically what we've just done. And I really want to break down all of the pieces that go into a business that you start yourself and how to truly, truly scale that business to seven figures in revenue in a very short amount of time. And I, I'm going to bring you that episode. That will probably most likely be my next solo episode. But then I was thinking about it. And as I said, I was meditating about this and really kind of looking for clues in my intuition of what was really needed to bring to this podcast in this next solo episode, this current solo episode. And I didn't want to come out the gate talking about this massive success that I've had in the last few years without really setting a foundation of what it's truly, truly taken to get here to the point where I have decided that I am going to open up and share with you what have been the darkest moments of my life, my professional life and my personal life. I have seven of them, in fact, that I am going to be sharing with you today that I feel are really, really important for you to know when looking at someone in my position of a successful business with lots of revenue and a happy team and awesome, fun branding. And I have a great husband who makes me laugh and a gorgeous group of girlfriends that fill my soul and opportunities to travel all over the world. And yes, it's all amazing, but I never want you to feel like that is unattainable for you. Because if I can be where I am today based on what I've been through, then you can too. And so before I dive deep into the mechanics of success with what I'm doing at my business Simply Be, I really want to take it way back and start at the beginning. And I know I shared a little bit about my journey in the very first episode of this season, but I really didn't get as specific as I feel like I am ready to now. So I am going to share the seven most difficult and yet transformative moments of my life that have helped me to develop not only my business, but my own personal brand, which is intrinsic to my business because who I am is my business. And it's all about bringing your most authentic self to your brand. And I am going to walk my walk starting right now. So here we go. Number one, I went to school to become an actress. And when I graduated college, I had a BFA, a Bachelor's of Fine Arts in acting, and I knew how to act. I was a great actress. 
I had all of the training and all the preparation to cast myself out into the Chicago theater scene and get work. I was also coming off the heels of college. And in college, I thoroughly enjoyed pizza and beer and a whole host of other things that were really unhealthy for me that I ate late at night. And I would say I was about 20 to 30 pounds heavier than I am now. And it was something that I kind of was conscious about, but not really. I was so excited, actually, about starting my life as an actor that I was really just consumed with auditioning and getting the work. And my dad had a client at the time who was one of the biggest commercial directors in Chicago, legendary. And he agreed to take a meeting with his accountant's daughter, me, and, you know, tell me about the business. And I was so excited for this meeting. I was so nervous for this meeting, of course. And I remember going to his incredibly fancy studio downtown and walking into his office and he was sitting in his chair behind his desk and he asked me to sit down in the chair opposite of him. And we started chit-chatting, didn't really get into too much detail at that point. And he asked me out of nowhere to stand up, to turn around and to sit back down. And he looked at me square in the face and said to me, Jessica, if you ever want to become an actress and be on camera, you're going to need to lose at least 25 pounds. And it was a conversation that haunted me on a loop in my mind for at least a decade. It sent me into a tailspin of pure obsession with my weight. And I ended up losing a ton of weight. In fact, I became so underweight that I didn't get my period for about two years in the middle of my 20s. Because if it was a diet in a book, I read it and I tried it. I did them all. Atkins and Master Cleanse and Paleo and, and raw food, vegan diets and juice cleanses and detox diets and Mediterranean diet. You name it, I tried it. And I was miserable. I hated the way that I looked, no matter how skinny I got, because it was reinforced to me that I was never skinny enough. I was cute enough, but not gorgeous enough to be considered a model because I was short and curvy. And nonetheless, I was put into castings with models. I'd walk into a waiting room and there'd be 35 other girls who kind of looked like me, but were all taller and skinnier and prettier. <laughs> And then I would get cast on some of those commercials and I'd go to fittings and I'd be the only girl in the commercial out of the few of us that was a size four or even a size six. And every other girl was a size zero or two or double zero. And so the majority of my 20s, I had days where I didn't even want to leave my house. I had days where I broke down crying with so much self-loathing that I was truly a miserable person to be around. I put so much energy and weight and focus and value into what I look like. And honestly, becoming an entrepreneur at the age of 27 really cast me pretty much proactively out of that world, which is a beautiful world. And I think the acting space is an incredibly worthy thing to devote your life to if that's really what you are called to do, and many people are, and I, I think the world needs actors. It's such a beautiful art form. But for me, I was done. It had run its course. 
And so when I left the acting industry to become an entrepreneur, a proverbial weight was lifted, pun intended, and I was able to really feel into the edges of my life based on my personal value and who I was being versus what I looked like. And my entire experience of life started to change. I found so much fulfillment in things that had nothing to do with what size jeans I fit into. I became so much healthier around my relationship with food and exercise. Today, I kind of eat what I want. I eat when I'm hungry. I try to stay healthy 75% of the time. It doesn't really affect me that much. I work out when I feel like it. I don't force myself into exercise. I really truly do listen to my body. And my happiness comes from witnessing my clients tear up in a session because we're changing their lives. Or when my employees light up and sparkle in a new way when they get an incredible quarterly review. Or when my husband shifts his energy because I was able to tell him how incredible I think he is. Or walking down the street with my mom and she tells me that she loves spending time with me, holding my hand. Those are the things in my life that fulfill me. Not a Pilates class (laughs) or a size two. It just doesn't matter. And so I encourage you to really, no matter where you might be on your self-love journey, because let's face it, as women, we are on that journey for life, to focus on what makes you feel the most you. And I guarantee that it's the people and the things in your life that make your heart explode, that remind you of who you're supposed to become, that push you to be on purpose. Those are the things in your life that make it rich, okay? And speaking of rich, just eat the damn chocolate cake because it's fucking delicious and life is too short. Number two, I cannot talk about the person I've become if I didn't talk about the most devastating heartbreak I have ever had in my life. I was with someone for a long time in my 20s, about four and a half years if you count the breakup, which wasn't really a breakup. We were still majorly in each other's lives after we quote unquote broke up. And I'm not going to go too down the rabbit hole of the details of this story because I have the utmost respect for him as a person and his life and his privacy. And I think he's an incredible person. I am talking about this from my stance because when I met him, I was so young and impressionable, and I had just moved to the city of Chicago maybe two or three months after I had met him, and I didn't know anything about anything. And I mean, I didn't even know how to ride the L or get from point A to point B or where to go get, you know, good food. I mean, it was literally a blank slate, and my relationship with him painted that portrait of my life for almost four and a half years in my early 20s until my late 20s. And I was completely consumed with him and that relationship that I really didn't have much of a sense of who I was. And I think that's normal for young women who fall in love with, you know, very charismatic and amazing men. But by the end of that relationship, I was so codependent and honestly addicted 
to him and the feeling of having a person in my life in that way that when we did break up, when it was finally truly over, I literally felt like someone had cut off my arm. That was how much pain and unbearable ability to function I was in by having this person no longer in my life. And I started to really have to learn who Jessica was, who Jessica wanted to be, and to really start over with my own canvas and my own paintbrushes and my own bottles of paint and choosing the colors and choosing the design and and making a mess of whatever that canvas was for a long period of time in the most beautiful way. I actually fell in love with myself during those years that I was truly single before I met my husband about three years later. I really highly recommend that every woman stay single for as long as they can to really learn to be in relationship with themselves because it is only then you are a whole enough person to let someone else into your life who is whole and equal to your sense of self as well. And it really, really took a lot of therapy I'm talking I would go twice a week maybe for a year <laughs> trying to just grieve and mourn what that was. I started to journal. I got into yoga. I met all of these new incredible friends. I remember going to a concert, actually. I'll never forget this. It was an Imogen Heap concert. I had just been introduced to all of this amazing music by my friend James, and her concert really moved me to the point of tears, but it was joyful. I was so taken by the beauty and the power of her music, and it was this revelation that I had had because of that deep, intense pain. My heart had physically and theoretically and spiritually expanded because that pain was so massive that I only had to expand in order to fit it in my body and my soul and experience, that when I came up and out and through that pain, I was still expanded. I was even more so expanded so that I could feel joy on a whole new level. And so that transitional period after the breakup was, to be honest, more significant to who I am today than the relationship itself. It was because I met him, we had that love, and it ended the way that it ended, that I was cast into this newfound need to know myself. And I would have never had that experience had I not had that relationship. So looking at every point of pain as an opportunity to grow and to expand into who you are truly supposed to become. Dark moment number three. <laughs> this one has to do with learning how to become a good leader and a great boss. And it's only because I wasn't a great leader and a horrible boss that I now can say that I, I'm a great one. So flashback to probably 2011, 12, smack dab in the middle of the cheeky journey. And I had a team of young 20-something women. And I was in my late 20s. I wasn't that much older than any of them. And I wanted so badly to be a cool boss. I wanted them to go home and talk to their friends about how cool their boss was and make all their friends jealous that their boss was way cooler than any boss that anyone had ever had. I so wanted them to like me. And in my pursuit of wanting them to like me, I forgot that they also needed to respect me. And it was a random day in the middle of the quarter. 
and I got the news that they were all quitting. We didn't have a very big team, but the people that were really the most valuable and really drove our business and that I loved and treated like family and sisters up and quit together, like mass exodus. And I was so blindsided and it really hurt that they were leaving. And, you know, I didn't see it coming, of course. And if I thought that hurt was bad, wait until what happened about a day or two later when I needed to retrieve a certain contact from one of my employees that I didn't have for a business relationship. And I had to log into her old, at that point, no longer valid email address to find that contact. And just like curiosity kills the cat, I stumbled upon an email that looked kind of off. And that email led to another email. And that email led to hundreds of emails that had gone back and forth between three of my most treasured employees for about a year, saying the most vicious and malicious personal things about me and my then partner. And I don't even have the words to describe the pain and the sheer shock and violation of what that was like. But imagine if your best friend or your partner or even your family members, people that you love and trust and consider your inner circle up and leave you, and then you discover text messages, letters, emails, voice messages, whatever, that everything you believe to be true about your relationship with them was in fact the opposite of how they viewed you and the relationship. Just imagine what that would feel like. And I am so grateful for that experience in hindsight. I do consider it to be definitely one of the darkest moments I've ever had as an entrepreneur. But today I run a staff of about 10 people. And I know I shouldn't put words in their mouth, but I'm pretty confident that they would all tell you that working for me is an amazing experience and that they all do respect me as their boss and love working for me because I have really worked hard at building in that respect first and that quote-unquote liking of me second. And yes, of course, it still matters to me that my team likes me. I, of course, want to be considered a cool boss. But the weight that I put on that fact has definitely decreased. And I know that showing up with that authority and setting boundaries and not needing to be friends with my staff has empowered them in a way that I couldn't have imagined. And my team is rock solid and we're scaling our business and each and every one of them is growing as a leader and a professional. And it's because I've just done things so differently this time around. I have really done the work on learning what it means to be a great leader. I read books. I work with mentors. I watch TED Talks. I talk to other CEOs. I really do my homework and I continue to invest in learning about what it takes to be a boss because no one really teaches you that stuff. I was the blind, kind of leading the blind back at Cheeky and I have so much grace and forgiveness truly for those young women because I was young too and operating from a place of immaturity and scarcity and passive aggressiveness. I think a huge part of healing from any situation 
regardless of what it is, the first step is taking accountability for the part you played in it. That's the only way you can truly heal and move forward and make sense of things and then eventually release them to continue to grow and expand. So that's number three. Number four. (laughs) I was 31 years old and it was towards the end of those cheeky years and we were struggling. Business was very cyclical. We had an advertising revenue model, so we were constantly chasing checks from big agencies that never paid us on time. And it was really, really hard to make money in that business, especially towards the end. And I was broke. I had no money. My then boyfriend, now husband, was carrying pretty much all of the rent, was causing a ton of arguments between us. And I could barely pay my phone bill. In fact, I couldn't pay my phone bill. And I needed my phone because I was running a digital entrepreneurial business and I, if anything, I needed my phone. And so one Sunday afternoon, I got in my car and I drove to the suburbs to my parents' house. I had been avoiding having to do this for as long as humanly possible, but I literally had no other options. There was money coming in from nowhere. And I went into my parents' home and laid it all out, had a very lengthy conversation with my mom and my dad, and I asked them for help. I asked them for money to help me pay my $200 phone bill. And I was 31 years old. That wasn't that long ago. And my parents were not mad, but they were so disappointed. And I'll never forget the look on my dad's face. Just confused, you know, why, why? Being educated and hardworking and successful, quote unquote, according to social media and magazines and people's perception. And having my dad and mom look at me with the knowing of the truth was one of the hardest days of my life to be honest. And I remember driving home from my parents' house that day on the highway back from the suburbs to the city, and I just started talking to God (laughs) out loud to the universe, literally just starting to thank the universe, God, source, whatever you want to call it, for everything good in my life because I, I was in a rock bottom and I felt like I had nothing. I felt like I was nothing. And that's a side note, too. My parents did not shame me. They did not get angry at me. They didn't make me feel wrong or embarrassed. And in a way, that made it worse. So I'm in my car talking to God, thanking the universe for all the abundant things in my life. My dog, my pretty paintings on the wall in my office, the fact that my brother called me the day before who never calls me, the fact that I had two legs to stand on, this car I was driving in had gas and the tank from some money I probably scrounged up. I just started thanking God for every little tiny thing that I could possibly think of to shift into the energy of abundance because I was in so much scarcity, obviously. And I remember going to bed that night, even though it was one of the hardest days of my life, in a different vibration of abundance. Like, okay, you might not have any money, but your life is still really full 
and you have so much to be grateful for. And the next day I woke up and I got a phone call from one of my dearest mentors who ended up hiring me to come along on a consulting agreement with her that she needed support with and offered to pay me $5,000 a month. Literally, this was the next day. And that actually set me on a course of a total career transition into much more stability to this day, actually. And I have Denise is my mentor to thank so much for that moment and that time and transition. And it was learning to really, even even as quickly as that happened and turning around from the day I saw my parents to the next day having that opportunity, I will never forget the meaning of that and the sign of what that meant, which was to always stay in abundance despite how much money you have. That abundance has actually nothing to do with your bank account, but your mindset. And looking at your life through a lens of constant gratitude, no matter how big or how small those moments or opportunities might be. And to remember that wherever you are in your life, there is probably someone else out there that's worse off than you are. And one, you should pray for that person because that person needs your love and needs your light. But to really have perspective for what you do have, no matter how small it may feel in the moment, to be grateful for that. And I will never forget my parents' grace from that day. And it just set me on a course to love and appreciate my parents at a whole new level. Whoa. Okay. Number five. This one's a doozy. Going through a business divorce with my business partner of seven years of who I ran Cheeky Chicago with. And being in a business partnership is literally a lot like being in a marriage, except you're not in love with each other. You're in love with this thing that you created together, unless you're married to your business partner, which is a whole different thing. We were not married. (laughs) We were just business partners. And I will not sit here ever and say that I was perfect and she was wrong or that she was perfect and I was wrong. We were just so different. We vibrated on very different frequencies. We were from basically different planets. In fact, I know we are, and that's okay. That's more than okay. That was meant for both of us. And yet, there was a lot of love between us. We were like sisters. Sisters have a love-hate relationship, I guess. I don't have a sister. I have a brother, but that's what I've been told. And there was a lot of magic between us. There couldn't have been cheeky Chicago Without that magic that came from the both of us equally, it was lightning in a bottle for seven years, that magazine, and it changed women's lives. I know that it did. And for that, I will always be grateful. For her, I will always be grateful. But throughout the course of that entire relationship, it was very up and down. And we went through lots of periods where we fought. We didn't trust each other. We did not communicate well. We didn't treat each other like equals. It was very very challenging. And I think it was probably our dharma slash karma to have it end the way that it ended. In fact, looking back now, there was no other way it would have ended considering the relationship we had that whole time. And I made the decision to leave Cheeky and had to, of course, bring in an attorney to help me manage the asset that was my 50% of the business to remove myself as an owner. 
I need to do that in a sound legal way. And so I brought in my attorney and of course she had to bring in her attorney and the whole thing got really, really messy. And that divorce lasted for about a year. And I don't think I've experienced as much anxiety as I had in my life than during those few months. And I really hearken back to something that my attorney had actually shared with me during that time that was a really guiding force that I continue to think of whenever I'm going through a different challenge or serious anxiety. He would tell me all the time, Jessica, do what makes you happy. When he first told me that, I was like, yeah, yeah, Ken, that's so basic. Thanks so much. And he had actually, prior to us working together, had just beaten pancreatic cancer. And no one beats pancreatic cancer. It's basically a death sentence. But they had detected it really early and he beat it and it got out of his system and it changed his entire life to really live life in the moment. And I wanted to leave Cheeky to go start Simply Be. And I wouldn't really go fully do it until I had this whole thing settled. And the settlement process took nine, 10 months. And it was during that entire period he coached me to follow my heart, do what makes you happy. Because the truth is, life is going to punch you in the stomach. And there are going to be things that want to knock you off course and distract you and consume you and make you feel guilty or angry or resentful in the darkest feelings you can possibly feel. And it will take you away from what you're really meant to do in this life. And I think everybody is here for a reason to up-level the planet and spread light and spread love. I really truly believe that is our true nature, even my old business partner. And so that part of my life taught me so much It gave me a renewed sense of resilience, of tenacity, the permission to fight and defend myself when I feel like I am being wronged, and the ability to take accountability when I am wrong. And most of all, to do what truly makes me happy. Number six, my brother's engagement. So I had been single for years. Meanwhile, my younger brother was in a relationship with his now incredible wife and was getting ready to propose. And none of us knew this. And he called me up to tell me first. And this was during the cheeky chapter when I was known for planning a ton of parties at the hottest restaurants in town. And my brother called me because he wanted my help in planning this surprise dinner that he was going to host the night that he proposed to her. And he calls me up. He tells me his plans. He tells me the date. And my first thought is, awesome. I'm going to call up James, my best gay friend, who was literally my husband on Facebook for years. He was my consummate plus one, my very best friend. We were somewhat connected at the hip and we went everywhere together. And I was so, so excited that I was going to have a date. Of course, it was going to be James, and I had to call up James the second I got off the phone with my brother and ask him to save the date because he was coming with me. And I call up James, tell him just that, and he had just started dating a guy a couple months earlier, and they had gotten kind of serious. And he looks at his calendar, and he says, oh, Jess, I'm so sorry. I can't come. I've got my boyfriend's brother's birthday party that night. And I remember hanging up the phone with him. James and sobbing my eyes out for hours. I don't think I had ever felt 
so unimportant and alone in my singlehood. I remember having this thought that I am no one's priority. Everyone else has someone who is prioritizing them, but not me. And I wept with such deep loneliness. It really was the pinnacle of loneliness that I went through those years being single because while I had enjoyed getting to know myself and falling in love with myself and being in a relationship with myself, there was a very big part of me that really wanted to be in a relationship again. And it left me in a rock bottom. (laughs) And I don't know if you've ever been in a rock bottom. I'm assuming a lot of people listening to this podcast have. When you are at your rock bottom, there is really nowhere else to go but up. So it was around that time that I decided to pick myself up off my victim-y ass and start to really enjoy my own fucking life. And I truly, really did fall in love with being single. I, in fact, defined that part of my life right then after my brother's engagement as my super singledom, like super with a capital S. And I was going out with my girlfriends, closing down bars, making out with a couple guys in a night. I am not exaggerating. I was loving my life. It truly accelerated me into this brand new perspective of, fuck this. I'm not going to sit around and cry and be sad and feel sorry for myself. And my life became really, really full. It started to feel really, really full. I felt whole. I felt complete without a man. And right about that time, I met my husband. And when I met my husband, I was like, oh, fuck. Awesome, but oh, fuck. Because I just started really loving and appreciating this part of my life. And I didn't want a boyfriend. I didn't have room for a boyfriend. And they say that it happens to you when you're least expecting it. And I am a walking example of that. And I really miss that that moment, those few months where I really, truly did relish in my own freedom and sense of self. It was blissful. And so again, I gave this note earlier in point number two, to truly spend time as much as you can being single, as uncomfortable and lonely as it can be. It is so rich with self-discovery and you have to accept that it is going to be dark at times, but the light on the other side of that darkness, when you really do the work and you learn to love your life without a man or a partner or whatever it is that you're looking for, when you really feel whole and complete as you are, because guess what? You are whole and complete with or without someone. It is only then that you can enter into a right relationship. And Brian is a whole person too. And we work really, really hard to even today, seven years later, at maintaining our independence and never losing ourselves in our relationship. We both did way too much work before meeting each other to let that go again. And I don't think I would have manifested him as the person that he is at the time that I did, unless I allowed myself to really feel all of those feelings of being sad and lonely and not becoming a victim to them and needing a man to fulfill those holes. I filled them myself. And number seven, which I would call a recurring dark moment, which are my chronic sinus infections. I have sinusitis 
And I could easily qualify that as an autoimmune trigger at this point because I have gotten, I don't know, 15 to 20 infections in the last seven years. And they're always directly related to moments when I am burnt out. So the smallest little bug or bad night of sleep or overstress, it's a full-blown sinus infection. And I actually had my most recent and worst one back in April, just a few months ago, where I literally couldn't function for about six weeks. I couldn't get out of bed. I was in the literal and figurative darkness. I lost 10 pounds from not eating, I not in a good way. I couldn't eat. I couldn't do anything. I couldn't go to work. My business lost money. I got into the most horrible fights with my best friends and husband. I essentially turned into the worst version of myself because when I'm sick, I get really, really angry. I feel very unjustified that these are happening to me. And it actually wasn't until this last April that I was able to get as still with my body as I had in years. And I had a one particular meditation where I heard my higher self come through me and speak to me and say to me, be with me. Literally, I heard myself say to myself, just be with me. My body was calling for me to slow down because I am such a busy body moving from meeting to meeting or thought to thought or stressor to stressor. And it was just this actually incredible gift to get that sick because it awakened in me the goddess and everything I'm really truly focusing on in this 38th year of slowing down and being in a lot more joy and wonder and flow instead of pushing myself so hard in the spirit of perfection and validation that all came to light this last spring. So there is no destination here. That is, I guess, my final point on this seventh dark moment is that it is always a journey and we are always in process of becoming our most successful and joyful selves. And I really, really wanted to open up these stories to you today so that you could take away what I've taken away, which is that every dark moment that you have in your life is intended for your highest evolvement. My body noise and obsession has fueled my desire to celebrate all women for their beauty inside and out, and that has empowered me to love myself and my life and my body as I am. My breakup in my 20s motivated me to discover and define myself on brand new terms and opened me up to a whole new world of friends, of music, of travel, and career opportunities. Learning my employees at Cheeky Chicago were gossiping about me because they had no respect for me inspired me to learn how to become the best boss I could be. And today, I proudly run a rock-solid team that, yeah, respects me, loves their work, loves each other, and I would say love me too. I have learned the true meaning of abundance and have stepped fully into the energy of gratitude for everything I have in my life. And as a result, my financial life has grown beyond my wildest dreams. My business divorce taught me the principles of forgiveness, of grace, and humility, and that has made me a better human being. It also taught me the principles of resilience, discretion, and tenacity, which has made me a better businesswoman. Claiming my loneliness at the time my brother got engaged and not becoming a victim to my singlehood 
motivated me to go out, become a whole person, and live my best fucking life. And in return, I met a whole man who was living his at just the right time. And that man became my husband. And getting sick, as often as I have, has forced me to listen to my body in new ways and get back in touch with my divine feminine nature of ease and joy and play. And this, my friends, is happening in real time. So wherever you are on your journey, I want you to know that it is exactly where you're supposed to be. I know you probably hear that a lot, but I want you to look at what you might see of my life on social media with all of our bright yellow and sparkly pineapples and seven-figure business and clients all over the world and the six-figure book deal and all of those wonderfully incredible magical things that, yes, have happened to me. But I'm telling you, I am telling you, it can happen to you too. You can create whatever the heck you want to do with your life and know that these road bumps are part of the plan to make you who you are. And it's your job to then in turn take those hardships and infuse them into your mission. If you do anything, I want you to do that. (laughs) So that's all I've got for you today on the Simply Be podcast. I know it was a longer solo episode, but I really did feel the need to share with you everything that I did today. I got the download that you guys needed to hear this, and I'm pretty sure I was right. I love you. I got you. You got you. That's the most important thing to know. You got you. And if you want to continue the conversation, please come over and find me on Instagram. I am super accessible in DM. I would love to hear if you've had any transformational moments that you feel have changed your life and are of service. And I'd love to connect in that authentic way over there. And who knows, I actually might be opening up this podcast to questions from my tribe and answering them on the podcast. So I would love, love, love to hear from you. As always, I am at Jessica Zweig on Instagram, sending you so much love and light. We are all in this journey of life together. And I wish you nothing but trust that where you are right here in this moment is exactly where you are supposed to simply be. Until next time, my friends, have a wonderful week. It's me again. If you loved this podcast, and I so hope you did, please go ahead and subscribe. That way, you'll get real-time updates anytime I post a new episode. And if you're feeling extra generous, go ahead and leave us a review. I will be reading listener reviews at the top of each episode, and I would love, love, love to feature yours. If you want to continue to hang out with us, you can come find us on the interwebs. We are at simplybeagency.com. And you can subscribe to our newsletter where we send exclusive invites to our events, special announcements, and hook you up with personal branding tools. They're awesome. And if you want to come hang out with me, Jessica, I spend most of my time on Instagram. You can find me at Jessica Zweig. That's J-E-S-S-I-C-A-Z-W-E-I-G. My last name is German, by the way. And we can spend some time there. And if you really want to hang out, like actually in real life, like off of the internet, I've got something for you. We are hosting the Simply Be Masterclass in Austin, Texas on September 20th at the Peached Social House. Now, 
What is the Simply Be Masterclass? I'll tell you. First of all, it's awesome. Secondly, it's a full day, deep dive, intensive workshop with me, where we are going to be opening up the vault. I'm talking about thousands of dollars of what our agency clients pay us for, all for you for a fraction of the cost. In it, you'll learn how to craft your personal brand message, your personal brand strategy, how to create compelling, authentic content that converts. So if you want to launch a podcast, a blog, a video, or anything and so much more, you'll learn how to do just that. Plus, how to grow a powerful community on Instagram, how to build thought leadership on LinkedIn, one of my favorite channels, how to pitch yourself to the media for PR placements, and so much more. Plus, it's just an all-around feel-good day of inspiration. We happen to attract the most highest vibrational people to our events, and I would love, love to see you there. So to get your tickets, go ahead and register at simplybemasterclass.com. That's simplybemasterclass.com. That's it for now. And until the next episode, have a simply awesome week. Bye, guys. This podcast was produced by Dante32.